Hey, good morning. You guys good? Good, good, good. You look awake. You look alive. You look good. I mean, this is a good looking group and you look like you're ready. So I'm fired up. I've been excited about I do too. That means a lot to me because, well, I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, but anyway, no, I'm glad, excited to, to be here. And uh, we're going to continue the series Opportunity and Opposition this morning. Um, we're going to actually read some scripture again. We looked at this a little bit last week. We're going to read a couple of uh, passages of scripture out of Acts 2 and 4. I promise we're not going to go this slow through every uh, through the entire book of Acts as, we, as we've been going through and looking at the opportunity we have in Christ to, to impact the world, but the opposition that comes along with that. Um, we'll, we'll move faster through some areas, but there's some really important things I've feel like that, that Luke, the writer of Acts, um, lays out for us, really laying a foundation for us in the beginning part of this book. And so um, we're going to be again in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 42 through 47. We're going to flip over um, to Acts 4 and read verses 35, uh, or 32 through 35 there uh, as well. Then we'll pray, we'll jump in. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. It's an important word. They were together. They had everything in common. We talked about from the very first verse there, 42, the, the importance of devotion. And we see this word, common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved, um, were being saved. And so go to Acts chapter 4. Um, every time here as we see this, as the Holy Spirit is moving, um, Luke is bringing us back to what came out of that. And what we see is this incredible community of believers and this incredible move of God that's taking place um, as the Spirit moves. But one of the biggest things is this community that comes out. One of God's biggest intentions was to create a new, distinct, unique community that would be um, his transforming agent in the world. And so Verse 32 says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of, any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and its truth, God. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move among us. Would you turn our eyes to you, Lord, in any areas or aspects of our lives where we've taken our eyes off of you, God? I pray today your spirit would draw us back. Your word tells us that it's your grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, Lord. And I, I pray for that. I pray, God, that your grace would steer our lives, that you would do for us in us and through us what we cannot do for ourselves, Lord. And we ask for more grace this morning, Lord. God, I pray that you would create us to be this unique community, that this would be what we would strive for, God. Uh, not something that we just hope for, but something we strive for. 
that we could be the church you've called us to be, Lord, continually growing in you, continually growing in the characteristics that describe you, your nature, Lord. We thank you for that. So God, we, we thank you for moving in our hearts today as we open ourselves up to your truth. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you um, would say that you have something about yourself that you just don't really like? Anybody? Y'all got something? And I do too. And, and some um, are more serious than others. Um, one of them that's, that's not that serious, but it's kind of funny, is that as I've gotten older, I notice that I've developed this thing right here, right? <laughs> Anybody else, you, you've developed this over time, you know, it's like the gobble that you have. And, and um, so it, it really like, sometimes I look and I'm like, where did that, that thing just appeared? I look back at pictures like five, 10 years ago, I'm like, that wasn't there. Well, I mean, what happened? You know, it looks like I swallowed a bowling ball or something. And so, um, and, and one day we were riding uh, somewhere, going somewhere with my family and my, my uh, oldest son's girlfriend. And, and we were joking about it, just talking about it. And, and she goes, well, I saw a video the other day. So she pulls it up. She said, this girl says you can get rid of it if you do these exercises. And so we're like, okay, what is it? And it's like, if you just stick your neck out as far as you can, and stick your jaw out like this, and you do that over and over again, like 15 times a day, you know, 15 times, three times a day, then it'll go away. And so I tried it a couple of times, and I was like, heck with that, I'll just have the gobble, right? And so, and, and the point is, like, we all have things that, you know, if we could change them, and that, of course, is pretty simple, pretty silly, right? Um, but in the big grand scheme of things, we all have things we'd like to change. But here's, here's something I would challenge each one of us with. I was challenged with this as I was thinking through this. Um, how much more quickly, though, are we to find things wrong with other people than we do ourselves, Right? Like it's so much easier to find things that are wrong with others than it is to find even my own things. And, and sometimes I think it's when we are the most displeased with ourselves that we find the most wrong with others. You know, because we, we in our brokenness and, and, and as we become whole in Christ, this changes. But in our brokenness, we need to find people who are brokener to make us feel better about ourselves. And so many times this is what happens. And so we are imperfect people who um, have our own flaws and easily find flaws with others. Yet here's the thing, and here's the crazy thing, guys, is that God calls us to be this unique community, incredible unity, incredible things in common. In fact, today you think about um, community. I want you to think about common unity. There's some things that we have common unity about that brings us together, that overcomes all of the, 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 the little flaws and different things because we're bound together because of something bigger. We're bound together by one who is more powerful than these little flaws. And so um, we need to realize this though, that God calls us to community. He calls us to be one um, together, um, one heart, one mind, having things in common. And this is what he calls us to. But the challenge of that is you and I are all flawed. We all have our own issues. We all have our own things. It's like sitting in the room with somebody while they're eating a bowl of cereal. And all you hear is like the, the spoon clanking on the bowl. Does that drive anybody else crazy? 
Drives me crazy. He hears like, ding, ding, ding. I'm like, could you go somewhere else and eat that cereal? And so things just get on our nerves. It's just aggravating. It's just frustrating. Yet God tells us to live together. And one of the things he tells us to live together is this unique community that is set apart from the rest of the world because of the way we love each other. That's what Jesus said, right? That, that, that they'll know you're my disciples because of your love and specifically your love for one another. There's four cultures I want to introduce you to. One of those is community. One of those is community. But as we look at Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, Acts chapter 4, 32 through 35, we see four cultures that, that really jump out at us throughout this. And these are cultures that are really important to the church. Um, we came to this realization not too long ago, maybe it's probably been four or five years ago now, um, at least, time flies. Um, and so uh, we realized that for churches to be strong, for churches to have the impact that they um, have the potential to have. There are four cultures that are usually strong in those churches that have that impact. And when you look at these passages, you see these. Um, and those cultures are this. There is community, which we're talking about today, generosity, serving, and evangelism. So, so the church, as the Spirit of God works in the church, when the church is functioning on all cylinders, you see these four cultures being expressed through the community, the body of believers, the church. Community, generosity, serving, and evangelism. These things are happening amongst the body of believers. When we look at scripture and when we see the spirit of God working, these are things that come out of the spirit of God working in the individual's heart to create this new, unique community that is a community that comes together, that is living together, that is sharing together, that is generous together, that is, is sharing the gospel together. We see this taking place. Now, here's the thing. We talked about this last week. We'll never become that community. We'll never become the church God designed us to be in our own willpower. We talked about this last week. It can't be through our willpower. It has to be through the Spirit's power, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's never gonna happen because we try harder um, to make ourselves that community. It is a result. It is so unique. It is so powerful. It is so unattainable in our flesh that it is a work of the Holy Spirit that has to happen. So these cultures working out in our lives, they should be the result of who we are and who we are becoming, not a religious performance where we try to create them and make them happen. This should be a natural outflow of our relationship with Jesus and the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And so these four cultures are huge, but it's the work of the Spirit in us that creates them. Today, I want us to look at specifically community, this common unity, this common unity that believers have that draws us together and, and really press into this today and understand and begin to let the Holy Spirit open our eyes and open our heart to the possibilities of what he can do in us and through us as he creates this community. The first thing um, I wanna do is talk about a couple of the benefits of community, what God does through community. One of those is for us as individuals, and that's, that's where we find those transforming relationships. 
those transformative relationships. Talked about this last week. If you didn't hear this, go back and hear this because it's in community that these transformative relationships happen. We talked about this, that, that in these transformative relationships, there has to be a relationship of trust. And trust takes time to build. So we need to realize it's gonna take a little while to build these kind of relationships because trust takes a long time to build, but it is quickly broken. So we need to build trust. Then once we have trust, we can have honest conversation. We can be honest with one another. Once we can have honest conversation and we've expressed this, this a common goal, then we're able to have healthy accountability because I trust you to help me get to the common goal. So I'm willing to let you speak into my life. It's in community. Um, for us, a lot of this happens in connect groups where people get together. But, but even in connect groups, it's imperfect. Why? Because we're imperfect. Like if you go to 10 connect groups and, 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 and like they're all just not right for you, it's probably you. But, but the truth is like none of them are perfect. Everybody's got their own stuff. And, and so we can't just walk in expecting it to be, you know, this, this perfect utopia thing. But, but we need to understand that transformative relationships happens in community with each other, with other believers. This is where that takes place in a connect group, in a triad. You've been around a while. You've heard us talk about these groups of three to four people that are getting together and really pressing into Jesus together and growing together. This is really, really important. If you're not in a connect group, we'll love to help you get in a connect group. Go back here to Next Step, sign up, whatever. Go to the website, connection.church, go there. You can sign up there. Let us help you get into community because this is what I can promise you, not just because um, I've experienced it, but because it's what we see in scripture is that real life change, real transformation happens in community. That's where it happens. You have got to have people in your life going the same direction you're going with a common goal that you can trust that will hold you accountable, not to police your life morally. Like that's something we, we, of course, if we see sin in someone's life and it's destructive, like we need to speak into that. But the point of healthy accountability is to encourage us to press into Jesus, to encourage and motivate us press into Christ. So these transformative relationships, that's one of the benefits of community. Another one, and this is just two of them. And there's, there's multiple, multiple ones we could look at, but here's another one. Another benefit of community, one has to do with the individual and the transformation the individual has, but the second one is corporate. And this is really more of the end goal of community is that we together give the full expression of Jesus. You and I individually cannot give the full expression of Jesus. It takes the body. It's why Paul talked about there's just like the body has many parts. You know, there, there are many different people. There are many different giftings. But when those giftings all come together, we together then can be the body of Jesus, the tangible expression of Christ on the earth together. That's where the full expression of Jesus is able to be seen in this new, unique community. And it doesn't mean that even then, like the community is perfect when we give this full expression of Christ. If you look through Acts, this is one of the most real things about scripture. Luke doesn't try to hide 
the issues that are going on in the church. It's not like it's this perfect group of people with no issues. In fact, when we read next week and we go into Acts chapter five, what you're gonna see is that two people die because they lied. Like that's crazy, right? But they're imperfect. There's this flawed community. And, and, and we're gonna see Ananias and Sapphira, they bring this offering and they lie about the offering. And then Peter's like, you know, shouldn't have done that. Now they're gonna carry you out, dead. It's not a perfect community, but we strive for this so we can give this full expression of Jesus. Here's the thing I would tell you, um, we don't wanna celebrate our flaws like it's something good, but transparency as the church goes a long ways. Being willing to show our, our own shortcomings um, being willing to be real about the fact that we are not perfect. Like, that's a good thing. Transparency kills hypocrisy. I've told you this before, that hypocrisy is not being imperfect. Hypocrisy is being imperfect, but claiming that you're perfect. And that's what the church has done for too long. But when you're transparent, People can see the flaws and guess what? The light of Christ shines upon you and shines in your heart and he begins to remove the sin from your life, especially when we're doing this in community. So this is really, really, really important. In the community, it's where, and we've talked about these six words before, in communities where we demonstrate and declare the good news, the gospel, Jesus we demonstrate and declare it. We demonstrate the gospel by serving and sharing and giving in community together. We declare the gospel by proclaiming the message of Jesus. In other words, this is a common unity displaying Jesus to the world, demonstrating and declaring Jesus to the world, a common unity around Jesus, bound together by the Holy Spirit. It's also the place where we equip and encourage. You've heard us talk about this. We equip God's people through helping them be restored to wholeness in Christ by giving them a biblical foundation to stand on and by training them practically in how not only they walk out their relationship with Jesus, but how they can do the same thing with others. And so this common unity is also about preparing people to display Jesus to the world from a standpoint of equipping them to be able to go out and do this and teach others how to do it as well. Another thing that happens in this full expression is the set up, setting apart and sending out of people. People in the community are set apart by the Holy Spirit for specific works that God has called them to do. As a church, we send them into the world and we support them to give them what they need to do and accomplish what God has called them to do. We see this with Shane Young, who um, we, we were able to be a part of setting him apart and sending him out to North Africa. And I want you to understand this, guys. I have a real conviction that when somebody gives up their life completely and, and gives up their entire life here and they go across the ocean to do what God's called them to do away from their family, the the, the, the thought of, am I going to be able to afford to stay here should not be what's on their mind. Churches in the United States should not be fully staffed and fully funded 
while missionaries who are sacrificing everything to go and declare the gospel to people who have never heard the gospel fight and claw and scratch to be able to do that. And so I want you to understand this. When you're giving, when you're generous here, you're making that possible for Shane in a huge way to do what God called him to do because about 95% of his expenses are covered by you guys being generous. He's not gonna have to run around a couple of times a year trying to get people to keep giving or find new people to give. And that's what the church should do. We should set apart and we should send. We all need this. We all need community. We all need to be um, a part of demonstrating and declaring, but we all need to be equipped and encouraged. How many of you would say like you've ever had somebody in your life that just encouraged you so much that you were just like, stop encouraging me. <laughs> Nobody. Stop telling me like how, how, how good I can do this and like how much potential I stop it. Nobody does that. And I've had those people in my life, specifically um, one in particular that I guarantee you, I would not be doing what I'm doing. I mean, some of you are like, well, that'd be nice. But I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it hadn't been for one person in particular other than Jesus. Like, don't be like, well, he didn't say it was Jesus. It was Jesus, right? <laughs> but one person who was instrumental in my journey um, was a guy, and let me give you the backstory of this. When I was in high school, some of you heard this story, but um, when I was in high school, I was asked, I started going to church with my girlfriend, but I wasn't even saved. Like I was just going to try to hold her hand during the services and stuff like that. And so um, I start going to church and, and for some reason, um, the youth pastor came to me and he said, listen, we're gonna be doing the, the service on Sunday night on such and such a date. I was wondering if you'd be willing to preach the message. All right. I wasn't even saved, right? I didn't really know I wasn't saved, but I wasn't even saved. And so I'm gonna preach this message. Well, I start getting ready and I really don't even know what I'm doing, but I like baseball. And so I started thinking about how can I compare God with baseball? And so I started thinking about, you know, like as you grow with God, it could be going to different bases and how you play the game and da, 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 da. And so I put this message together where um, it was all about growing to know God and, and playing baseball and it was gonna be great and it was gonna be good. And then when I walked up there, I'm probably 16, 17 years old. I walk up there to get behind the, 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 the podium. And, and when I look up and I see the people Forgot every single thing I was gonna say. Had the notes in front of me and I'm trying to read the notes, but I can't even read the notes. I'm stammering and stuttering. I'm literally, you know how I sweat. Well, that was happening back then too. And so I start sweating. Literally sweat is dropping off of my forehead, off of my nose and I've got this suit on. So I'm like, you know, just all, and sweat's dripping off of my nose onto my paper. And, and I was so flustered that finally I just said, let's pray. And I mean, literally, this was, this, this was like five minutes of stammering and stuttering and, and just knowing like, this is the worst thing ever. And so I finally am like, let's pray. And literally out loud, as I start to pray, I said this into the microphone. You ever said something out loud and you didn't know you said it out loud or were gonna say it out loud, you just said it out loud. And into the microphone, I said, oh God, I don't even know what to say. I was like, whoa, they heard that. <laughs> 
And so then I was like, oh God, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't even know what I said, amen. And then, you know, and Christians are good liars. So people started coming up and be like, that was really good, son. That was really good. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. You know, you're gonna go to hell. And so as, as, as this is going on, um, I look and there's this one old lady with a walker and she's coming up there to me. And I'm like, she doesn't have to come all the way up here to lie to me. And she didn't. She comes up to me and she goes, son, you learn something every preacher ought to know. I said, really, ma'am, what's that? She said, when you don't have nothing good to say, just shut up. That was it. And y'all, I swore, listen, I swore to myself, I would never, ever stand in front of anybody and speak again. I swore I never would. And God laughed. <laughs> and there was a guy though, when I did get saved, I went on a, a retreat called the Walk to Emmaus and it's where I got saved. And um, there was a, a guy I met there and he was leading uh, the walk to Emmaus two, two times later. And he came to me and he's like, hey, I'd really like for you to give a talk when I lead this, this walk. I'm like, nah, not gonna happen. Well, why not? Well, let me tell you the story. Gray haired lady, it just is, it just haunted me. And so I'm like, nah, I'm not gonna do it. Well, he just kept encouraging me, encouraging me, encouraging me. And I can tell you, it was about eight years after that instance that I still think I have PTSD from, um, that I got up and I spoke at this thing, um, this retreat. And God seemed to move, not down in the people's hearts as much as mine. And I began to realize like, this is something that I feel like God's calling me to do more. And I was horrified of it, still am. Like I told you some, like one of the stupid things and now to share this experience with you, like I failed a lot at this. And so I think that's why I'm horrified with it. But the reality of it is I had somebody there who even after that, that retreat encouraged me on. Listen, we all need that because here's the thing I can promise you. As you walk out your relationship with Jesus and especially as you try to begin to make an impact for Jesus, even within the community of believers, you're gonna fall and you're gonna stumble and you're gonna mess up and you're gonna get it wrong. But you know what you do? You pull your lip back in and you stand up and you say, thank God that he's in control and not me and you keep going but we need the community around us to encourage us in that, to continue encouraging us on. And so the benefits of community, two of them, transformational relationships and the full expression of Jesus to the, community, to the people around us, to the world. I wanna give you real quick, just some keys to community, things that are huge and important. Um, and, and here's one of them. One of the keys to commun community, I told you it's common unity and it's a common love and passion for Jesus and his mission. This is huge. If we don't have this guys, we'll never have community. We'll never have common unity because we have nothing bigger than ourselves that we are united around. But a common love and passion for Jesus. If you have a Bible and you wanna turn to Philippians chapter two, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. I just want to read the first four verses, five verses to you. It says this, this is the apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi. And he says this, he says, therefore, therefore, what's he talking about? Therefore, he's, he's been talking about Jesus and uh, the unity that they should have and the work of Christ for them. He says, therefore, 
if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. So the very first thing he says, if you're encouraged by being united with Jesus, if you, if you have a common unity with Christ and you find encouragement in relationship with Jesus, he says, if any comfort from his love, if you have shared, and he's, he's not asking if, as in, as if they possibly haven't. He's asking if, as in, he knows they have. He knows that, that for the most, this body of believers, they've experienced encouragement from being united with Christ. They've experienced comfort from his love. He says, if there's any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, and make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. If we're going to be this community, we've got to have a common unity about Jesus and his mission. This is what we have in common, the spirit, Jesus and the gospel, the redemptive love of Christ. We've got all this in common and yet the church focuses on these little fine things so many times that divide. The second thing I'll tell you, so we gotta have a common love. If there's gonna be a common unity, there's gotta be a common love and passion for Jesus and his mission. The second thing I would tell you is there's gotta be an understanding of being in Christ, what it means to be in Christ. Paul used in Christ in his writing and his letters like 130 something times. Why? Because it's important. He used in Christ or in him or something like that because it's extremely important. Listen to verse three and four. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, listen to this, in humility value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as, Jesus, as Christ Jesus. And he goes on and talks about the mindset that Jesus has. I want you to see this, because this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says, rather in humility, value others above yourself. But here's the thing. If we don't know who we are in Christ and that our value is found in Jesus, how are we gonna value someone else above us? Think about that. Because for me then to elevate you and value you above myself, it takes value from me. And we live with this scarcity mindset that there's only enough to go around and that includes the value. And so the world spends its time fighting over value, worth, acceptance. When God's like, I've got an unending supply of this. If you'll just come to me, if you'll recognize who you are in Christ, if you come to me in faith and listen, I've got all the value you need. I've shown you the value you have by putting my son on the cross but it's hard to value others above ourselves it's hard to not think I've got to push up on others rather than being able to lift them up because if I don't push myself up I'm not going to have value and here's the thing I'll tell you I loved hearing the story behind the music kind of thing with Chase because I am surrounded by some incredibly talented people like, I feel like if you lined us up, a bunch of us up up here, the people who are part of leading this church, like, you'd look at me and go, like, one of these things is not like the other one. You know what I mean? Because they're incredibly talented. I mean, I look, I look at Chase and I'm like, my gosh. I have people almost weekly go, you better not let him get away. They're not telling me, like, you don't need to leave. They're like telling me, like, Chase, 
They're like, don't let him get away. The other day, um, I told our, our boys, I was like, hey, uh, man, Chase ought to go on The Voice or something like that, man. Like, he's that good. And my boys are like, uh-uh, Dad. You don't want him to leave. I was like, well, that's true. No, don't, don't. So Chase, Chase, I'm gonna flashy thing you. So you did not hear that flashy thing, right? Surrounded by incredibly talented people. The other day, I'm driving home with my, my middle son, Jackson, on Wednesday after rally night, and, and we're going home, and um, JC had preached, and it was the first time my, my middle son had heard him preach. He preached one time before, but my middle son had a concussion from football, so he was in la-la land, and so he wasn't able to be there. He had to probably wouldn't remember. And so anyway, he, he was um, talking about the service and the rally night, and so we're riding home, and you know, at parents' day, I was like, so how was youth, how was students? And, and he's like, dad, it was so good. He's like, man, JC, he's so funny. He's so good at talking to, talking to teenagers and students. He's like, man, like he's just so funny. He like keeps your attention. He's like really good. He's going on and on. And then he reaches over and puts his hand on my arm and he goes, I mean, no offense to you, dad. Like you do a good job too. <laughs> Tripping over my lip. You know, we see this though, but I mean, this, 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 Scarcity mindset when it comes to things with God is, is everywhere. We see it with, with churches, right? Where we're so competitive with one another. And it's like, if they reach 5,000, we can't reach 5,000. Why? Wouldn't it be amazing if every church in Bullock County reached 5,000 people? Like how crazy would that be? Who, who's good at math? There's like 130 churches in Bullock County. Somebody good with math. What's 5,000 times 130? Y'all are all like, somebody pull your phone out, right? right? It's what? 55,000? 65,000. Did you do that in your head, Eric? I always knew you were so much better than me. I value you higher and above myself, Eric, because I'm secure in Christ. Um, but like 65,000 people, that's almost a whole county. See, I knew you weren't that smart, Eric. <laughs> 600 something thousand? 650,000. 650, you, <laughs> Bo Fordham, <laughs> just got it right and you didn't. <laughs> Can we erase this part? Don't we have like a time delay on this thing? But the point of it being, wouldn't it be incredible? What if we reach 600? That means a bunch of people have to move here. Wouldn't that be incredible? Like there's no scarcity of, of people in the world that need to know Jesus. So why do we have this mindset? Like we can't value other churches above ourselves. We can't lift them up and talk about and even celebrate. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had relationships with churches around us that we could celebrate what they're celebrating? Man, that's gonna happen. I'm telling you, there's some things happening with churches in this community, it's going to happen. It's gonna be awesome. So we need to understand who we are in Christ so we can value others above ourselves real quick. And um, we need to have some realistic expectations. We have realistic expectations. Ephesians 4, one through, let's just read Ephesians 4, three actually. 
Paul writing to the Ephesian church. Now, this is a theme that goes throughout this unity theme through all of Scripture, this one body, this, this one people of God. He says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's other places where Paul talks about striving for unity, this need for unity, but it doesn't come easy. We need to have un, like really clear expectations and realistic expectations that tell us this is going to take work. If it was just something that just happened, then listen, it would just be where he would have said, enjoy the unity. He says, make every effort to maintain the unity. And before we can really get unity with all the other fellowships around us, we need to be unified here. Not squabbling over simple little silly things, but recognizing our common unity around the gospel and the spirit who binds us together. And in fact, the next key to community is the Holy Spirit. If you look at Galatians chapter five, again, Paul speaking to this important issue of community. And we hear about the fruit of the Spirit, but when we hear the fruit of the Spirit, and be honest, because this was me for a long, 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 long time. We hear the fruit of the Spirit. How many times do we apply that to ourselves individually, right? We think about the fruit of the Spirit, Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think I got them all. I don't know. Um, but when we think about, we often think about that applying to ourselves individually. But if you look at Galatians chapter five in verses 22 and 23, he lists out the fruit of the spirit. But if you look at what's sandwiched on both sides of the fruit of the spirit, it's in the context of community. So what it's telling us is this, we can't have common unity. We can't have community. We can't be this distinct, unique people if the spirit of God is not working in us. You need to have the spirit of love. You need to have the fruit of love in your life from the Holy Spirit, not a love that like comes from you. You need to have the love of God. You need to have the patience of God. You need to have the faithfulness of God to love me. And here's why, because this is the thing I'm going to tell you. I can ask you this. Can you love me with all, your flaw, all my flaws? Can you love me with all my flaws? You don't know my flaws. Because you see the best 45 minutes of my life every Sunday. It goes downhill from here. And you might even say, yeah, you can love me. Let me answer that question. No, you can't love me with all my flaws. You can't. But the Spirit of God can God working in you can. Can I love you with all your flaws? Not in my flesh because you're going to get on my nerves sometimes. Just it's the way it is, right? But the spirit of God in me can have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and this fruit that I can offer to the people around me. But the context is not just for me personally to just have peace the context of it is in the community of believers. We become one body because we, listen, we are imperfect. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us. Um, last week, um, Joey was going through the seats and, and he was picking up stuff. Uh, you know, you guys leave stuff. And so we go through and we pick it all up, you know, when everybody's gone between services. And, and as he was going through, Somebody left me. If you want to reclaim these after service, um, I don't know how much these cost now, 
three, four dollars. But but we found these on the seats. And 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 here's the thing about it is at least it makes me think about Sam Elliott for some reason. I don't know. But here's the thing about it, guys, is like we're all imperfect. And the thing I look at in this is can we love somebody that doesn't seem to have it together as much as we do? Because this is what the church has done for years. They've looked at, looked at people with things like this, things like this, that we can clearly see and go, how dare them? But what about your bigotry? What about your gossip? What about your lust? What about your anger, my anger? What about these things? Because here's the thing I can tell you, you don't know what this person's life's been like. You don't know where this person is right now. You don't know what God might be doing in their lives. And occasionally we'll have people who complain. And even one time put some stuff on Facebook, um, it got back to me, I'm not really on Facebook, but um, got back to me where they're like, well, you know, he ought to do something about this. And people complain about this and that and the other. And I'm like, look, you know what? What might they have been smoking last month? Right? And here's the thing. We will always be a church for imperfect people. We will always be a church for imperfect people. And, And the thing I can tell you about this is like if this bothers you so bad like one of two things either God's gonna have to change your heart because there are gonna be a lot of messed up people here or this might not be the place right I'm just being honest because when I look at Jesus Jesus came for the sick came for those who need a doctor. And if we can't be like Christ, then what are we doing? One of the reasons people can't be transparent when they walk into church is because we haven't given them permission. And one reason people walk in and walk out in the same manner that they, that they, they came in is because they feel like they've got to hide their junk. This should be the one place that people are safe to be broken. The last thing I'll tell you, keys to community, is there's got to be a revelation of the gospel. That Jesus died for broken, hurting people like me. Acts chapter two says this. If you look at verse 37, Peter preaches this message about Jesus and the gospel. And he says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
And here's the thing I want to challenge you with this morning. Is do we have this revelation of the gospel that says that anyone, God, God's arm is not too short to save anyone. Do we have this revelation of the gospel that realizes that God had to reach way down to save us? And it, because of that, we know he can do the same for others. Got to have this revelation of how big and wide and deep, how vast, how enormous, how abundant is the grace of God that saves and when that happens, this unity comes together because we realize like we are all so broken and we're all so hurting, but yet praise God because he's making us whole and I might still have my flaws, but I'm not what I used to be and it's all because of what Jesus has done. And then we really begin to celebrate who God is because of this revelation and understanding that I'm never gonna get it all perfect, but guess what? God still uses me. God still loves me. God, in fact, loves me so much he refuses to leave me where I am and he continues to make me more like his son. So we're gonna pray right now. The first thing I wanna do is give opportunity for those who maybe you have no relationship with Jesus, but today you realize I need a relationship with Christ. You never said yes to Jesus paying the price for your sin. You never said yes to the forgiveness that comes through Jesus, but today you say, I know that that's where I'm at. I know that's what I need. I know I need Christ in my life. And God has been pulling you, drawing you, speaking to your heart. And today you say, today's the day of salvation for me that I make this commitment. I come to Jesus in faith, belief, trust, and who he is. And, and if you've never done that, then right now is a chance for you. If God's drawing you, not, you know, not to try to appease somebody else or make somebody else happy or whatever, but if God is speaking to your heart, then this is what I would challenge you with. Stand to your feet and publicly profess that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And this is uncomfortable. I had somebody who's new to the church the other day. He was like, man, this is really uncomfortable for me. And he's, not, he's saved. I know this is uncomfortable, but listen, we need to break this stereotype in the church that professing Christ is something to be ashamed of. Like this, we need to celebrate this. So if you know today is the day of salvation, then stand to your feet. Let's blow the roof off of this place, celebrating the fact that somebody just went from death to life. Today, you need to profess Christ. You stand to your feet and we'll celebrate this. We'll pray. All right. The next thing, Peter said, if we repent, he said, repent and be baptized. Now, we're not going all, baptism's not even over there. We're not going to all go jump into baptism. This is what I do believe. I believe when we repent of our sin and we turn to God, listen, that times are refreshing, just as Peter said, comes upon us. We turn from the things that we know are hindering our relationship with God and we turn to God. And today, listen, you may know there's some things in your life. Why don't we right now commit those things to God and, and let's pray and, and let's sincerely turn, not just you know, feel bad about our sin, but let's turn from our sin and turn to the life-giving God. So I'm gonna pray, if that's where you are, why don't you do that? Why don't we repent 
We turn to him, leaving all this mess behind, coming to the life-giving God, grabbing hold of him and letting him take control of our life. Letting him have all of our adoration, all of our affection. Father, today we love you, God. We are flawed, imperfect, broken people on one hand, Lord. But on the other hand, we are the saints of the most high God. And that is mind boggling. That is hard to fathom. It's even hard to accept sometimes that you are that good. But Lord, we thank you that your word is true and that that is the God that we serve. Would you once again fill us and refresh us as we turn from our sin and we turn to you, Lord. Let the power of your spirit refresh our hearts again and again. We love you, Lord. We praise your name and we give you all the thanks because you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.